0: Welcome to the What's your Next Podcast. In this podcast, your host, Gloria Amin will interview published authors to chat about their work, journey to getting published, and their book recommendations. If you share a passion for books and always looking for your next read, then join us. Welcome to the What's Read Next Podcast. Today's guest is Kate Bateman. Her latest book is These Are all Mine, which inspired me to start reading all things historical romance. and as you know, it's been such a treat. In this episode, we chat about her writing process, her journey to polishing, and finally around the Book of Renations. Now let's get to the show. Hi, Kate. Welcome to the next podcast. Hello. Thanks for having me. So happy to have you here. So tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Okay. Well, I didn't start out writing historical romance, or in fact, any, any romance at all, Um. Before I moved to the US, which was about seven years ago, I was a history geek. I was an antiques appraiser, so I I Hmm. used to have an auction house for 15 years, and um, I was a sort of fine art valuer and appraiser, and I used to be one of the antiques experts on some of our UK TV antique shows as well. Kind of like, a bit like the Antiques Roadshow, not the Antiques Roadshow, but a couple of shows like that in the UK. So
0: amazing.
1: History was my first love, and then... I my husband's job brought us here to the US for a couple of years. And I honestly thought it was a couple of years, like two or three years. Yeah. Uh, I'd be back. But after a couple of years, it became clear that we weren't going back to the UK. <laughs> and I, I couldn't really pick up the auctionery here in the Midwest because the mm-hmm. rules are different and there's not so much uh, antique stuff here where I am. So I figured mm-hmm. I did a lot of historical romance. And I thought, okay, I read a really terrible book at the time and thought I could do better than that. You know, I'm doing nothing else. So I was the first, and then had a go at writing. Yeah,
0: that's amazing. So you start you start writing historical romance. Were uh, you a reader beforehand too, or was it something you just your passion with history just coupled with the with the topic? It was a bit write. of
1: both. Yeah, I mean, it was a bit of both. I I had always gravitated towards romance, but mainly historical romance, just because I used to like, you know. That aspect of it, like learning something accidental through reading or whatever it was, but I also, I've read a lot of traditional literature and studied English literature at, at university. But I got so depressed by the endings of like what people class as real, real literature because mm-hmm. everyone dies. It's like Madame Bovary and Tess of the Derviles, and oh, it's just so depressing. So to counter that, I would read romance mm-hmm. as the kind of antidote to it, and. um yeah, and I thought, well, okay, maybe I'd seen a few historical books with some really bad historical inaccuracies, like, you know, electricity in the Viking era or something ridiculous that could have been solved by a one-minute Google search. And um, I just thought, I could, I'll could, i have a go at it. I could do better. I know the history, at least, of uh, certainly the period that I like. Ironically, I didn't start with a medieval. Uh, I started with a medieval, um, oh. which uh, Renaissance Italy. I don't know why. I don't ask. Well... I think it's because I've read Laura Kinsale, and she had done a couple of really great medievals. And I, I looked around for something similar and couldn't find it. And I thought, oh, well, I'll just write what I want to read. Mm-hmm. And so I did. the first book was just just for fun to see if I could finish it as an exercise of can I write 80,000 words, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it was it was good. And it, it turned out that that ended up getting getting published. It was cool,
0: yeah. That's really cool. And so do you have a forever period of time that you'd like to write or is it just basically just depending on the story?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, that... that... Obviously, I, uh, when I was a newbie, I had no idea that Italian Renaissance is such a tiny niche genre that there really isn't a market for that at all. So, so the feedback I got from a lot of publishers was, we love your writing, we love your voice, but we just can't sell that, you know,
0: mm.
1: traditionally, So they uh, they actually suggested, you know, go away and write us a a, a regency and, and see mm-hmm. how that goes. So, um, that's what I did. I ended up my first three book deal was for a regency with the traditional publisher which was pretty cool so that's ended up self-publishing the the italian renaissance i self-published last year um called the devil to pay but um no no traditional publishers wanted it but it was still a fun story so i put it out there so that's the joy of being hybrid you can put out the tales that maybe traditional don't want but then you can still put them up for people to enjoy so
0: I love it so you're a hybrid author so how's the process what do you prefer most do you prefer self-publishing or do you prefer the traditional publish?
1: I'm super lazy so I prefer being traditional published. yeah interesting when I was looking to see should I self-pub and I have a lot of self published very successful author friends who would never consider going traditional Mm -hmm. Um, but I came from being an auctioneer I'm an agent effectively Mm -hmm. I one has something to sell. I bring it to the auctioneer. and I know how to sell it to the best possible audience and get mm-hmm. the best price. And so I use that with, with, with writing. I was like, I'm best at writing the book. I, I don't have the time to learn the marketing and the, you know, advertising, all that gut. Even though I could, yeah. Um, yeah. I should concentrate on what I do best, which was the writing. Because I have limited yeah. time. I have three small children. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I thought, yes, I would prefer the exposure that I could get with if I could get a traditional deal just to start off with. And that's why I, I chose that route, even though obviously you give away a percentage. If you have an agent and an editor, that you do give a certain percentage of what your earnings are. Mm. Um, but, you know, it's a percentage of some sales as opposed to I could self-publish and you no know, 10 people would buy the book and I'd get 100% of very little. So
0: mm.
1: that was the way I looked at it. And I was super lucky to get a, a traditional deal in the current market. I, I'm very aware that that's... Um, you know i'm very lucky i'm very grateful for that <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: yeah it's like the current market is definitely one of those interesting places to be but i think it's interesting that you have dabbled both ways and you're still you're able to navigate both you have the options it's supposed to be just traditional polish and then having a book that you really love but that's not been barred and saying you know what it's okay to just self-publish it and get you know, find the audience. And I think within the romance community, there's a lot of indie um, self-publishing authors who do really well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and that is the freedom. I mean, as much as I love traditional publishing, it is a very narrow tramline of what they will take on. And mm-hmm. they're everything. You just have to find them. You know, if you want the most obscure, weird, out there plot line, someone's going to love it. If you write it well enough, someone's going to love it. And that's the joy of indie publishing is you can... I mean, the last one I just self-published was a part of an anthology, and it was a Egypt-set Regency with sort of slightly supernatural elements or paranormal elements, which was a new for me. But I had such fun writing in Regency Egypt, which not many traditional publishers would would be interested in that. They prefer mm-hmm. London forums and what have you. Um, so it was kind of – I like being off the beaten track. I mean um, – even my first three strictly straight Regencies, I, I kind of pitched them as being London-based, but actually the first one was mainly in France, the second one was mainly in Spanish Peninsula, and the third one was in England. But <laughs> I sneaked that one past my editor before she really kind of went, hey, hang on a minute, this is, not, this is Napoleonic, not Regency. Well, they're the same. Oh my um,
0: God.
1: <laughs> I was quite sneaky with that. So, yeah, I kind of – I think there's a lot of sameness about the traditional – Historicals, You know, you're either in medieval Scotland or you're in Regency London. And mm-hmm. unless you can find something really fresh to say about it, I don't want to just rehash those ideas. So that's where I get these ridiculous outlandish plots, you know. <laughs>
0: I love it. Yeah, I love the fact that there's indie publishers who pro- provide, you know, a different, different take on a different time periods, so different places and different ideas. And that's what makes it unique that there's a variety of books to read as opposed to just stick to just what's traditionally published. It's just like we just see era or Scotland or just specific time periods for, you know, there might be some other diversity within their genre.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was the, looking at my my bookshelf right now, and I've got quite a few really unusual historical romances on there, or just romances in general. But mm-hmm. the overarching theme is they're all, yeah, they all have slightly more interesting twists on a traditional trope. So, yeah, I think that's
0: it. Love it. Let's talk about your writing. Do you follow an outline or do you see where the story leads Yeah.
1: It's the whole plotter or panzer. I'm getting much better at plotting just because it saves me a lot of chopping when I've finished. Um, I yeah. tend to write long. So if I can avoid writing 15,000 words too many, I will do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm getting a lot better. I do a fairly rough outline. Like I have to submit when I pitch to my editor a series or a new book, I, it's a fairly long three-page synopsis. So I roughly know where all the the main blocks are. I'll have two or three big scenes in my head that I kind of want to include, but the rest is a bit more fluid. It's like how you get to those scenes and the link it all together. And occasionally something weird will just come up and I'll just be like, oh, I'll just go with it and sneak it in there as well.
0: Mm. How do you organize yourself as a writer?
1: How do I organize myself? Yeah. Uh, I tried as much research as possible. I mean, it's the balance of historical, writing historical romances I could obviously go on for days about the historical detail of the dresses and the chairs and the furnishings and everything. But in reality, most readers don't want that. You want a compelling story. Um, Yeah. So you want a flavor of it that's that's as accurate as you can get it. But I do take a bit of historic leeway. I mean, a lot of my storylines are based on a real historical event, which I find really interesting, and I will twist it. So they're not necessarily absolutely factually accurate I will have tweaked a few years here and there or moved a few people around to where I need them to be um but it's historical fiction it's not his I'm not writing biographies or anything like that so Mm -hmm. you take a bit of research leeway Um, plus you're writing for a modern audience so language is going to have to be slightly more modern you don't want anything really anachronistic if you can Mm -hmm. help it pull people Mm -hmm. out but yeah. it's a modern reader. No one's going to want to write to read a Renaissance in actual Renaissance Italian oh, no. English fourteenth century. I mean, it's it's crazy. So you have to have a bit of sense of you know sensitivity for the modern reader about that.
0: Mm-hmm. So do you show your work along the way, or do you wait until it's completed for the to read?
1: Do I? Um, I usually wait till it's done. I give a few close friends a few chapters to look at to see if I if I. I take it to a critique group. I'm a member of my RWA local chapter. So we go and take in a few pages. And if I'm stuck on something or it's not quite working, then I, I get some feedback on it. But generally I work to the end and then just give people a whole lot and and see how it, you know, pacing issues or things like that, it's much easier to tell when it's a whole, to, to read the
0: whole thing. Yeah, so now let's talk about your book. I absolutely adore the heroine of this book. She's a strong businesswoman who goes to prison looking for a husband. In that sense, sense, she was looking for freedom. Why choose this unique premise for her to find love?
1: Yeah, well, it's this is, again, the thing of having a kind of uh, heroine. I like badasses in bodices. I don't like, you know, fainting heroines. I like girls yeah. that get stuff done and have some agency. And it's very difficult within the sort of restraints of historical fiction
0: mm-hmm. because
1: there were some things they could not couldn't do. But I figured her money would give her a bit of, a bit of leeway to maybe do outrageous things. And I just thought, you know, what what would I do? It, that she's clever, she must be able to think of a way around this problem of trying to do it. And um, I think years ago I had actually read, there's like a, like a, a, a woodewist or somebody like that who, there's an old school historical romance that has some kind of, them meeting in prison and I, it didn't end up the way this story goes, but I kind of like that idea as a first meet in prison where, you know, it was a fun premise. That that was the only sort of scene I had when I when I sort of started to plot that book, was that would be a great meet cute, so to speak, um, and it kind of went from
0: there. Yeah, yeah, it was a unique meet cute. I was like, okay, she's going to prison, <laughs> and then she's gonna go someone who's gonna die, and then it turned out that he didn't die, and then there was like the whole story that entwines with it. Um, but I found it such a unique meet cute at the same time, and I was like, it made sense for her to try to be a widow so she could have the freedom to run her business, to do the things that she wanted to do, without having to hold her back for a husband.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, options for women were pretty limited. I mean, you've got to kind of either marry, you know, a marriage of convenience or marry for political expediency or something like that. So it was her way around that. And I I like to think she was a bit kind of business minded, a bit practical about it. So yeah, it seemed to fit and her character kind of grew from that, the idea that she, you know, she kind of used her money in a positive way to get what she wanted. I mean it's it you obviously have to stretch suspend your disbelief a bit. I mean this would never realistically happen and it would probably be really disgusting in a prison and and everything else. But this is romance, so we let these things slide, hopefully, when you're reading.
0: Yeah, yeah. It was like you wouldn't be married or prisoner, but then you just realize that the hero was in prison. So let's talk about the hero. As far as you write him as a character, you know, he, he has a mystery. He has his own family issues. He was a unique hero that he was. He had to overcome different actions to get her.
1: Yeah, so he has a lot going on. I mean, obviously, he's. I thought it was quite a funny twist to have him be the one that's and kind of twisted into an arranged marriage Mm. that's usually the that's a trope flip with the woman is usually the one that has no choice um and yeah the heroes I write they're not full-on alpha heroes I, I don't seem to write them I really like competence and clever and witty and snarky heroes who are also ridiculously sexy so that's how they all seem to end up um so yeah I thought he was quite funny he's a bit of a uh, I suppose maybe a beta
0: hero. I don't know. Beta hero, he's not full out, you know. Yeah, he's caveman. not. Full, yeah, he's not. He was like, he he trusted her, he gave her her spirit. Like, he was actually, yeah, I would say he's a beta hero, which is great. I think it's, um, I think he lived her off as opposed to trying to push her down. He admired that like she had money and that she had her freedom. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think for me, that's what I find the most attractive is that they match each other rather than, you know, control one another or there be physical, you know, strength between them. I, I like mm-hmm. the fact that they are, you know, a really, a truly confident, strong guy will let a woman shine and do her thing if he is not the best in that situation. So that mm-hmm. to me really, really attractive. So that's, that's ended up in my hero, Benedict. He was quite fun.
0: <laughs> i love it so we had a bow street mystery and how the couple came together to accomplished a mission how much research did you conduct to get this park right the whole napoleon escape and you know the submarines and the different things that chronometer and all the different historical tidbits that were that yeah
1: well that that was a classic case of you know that was the one historical real event that I just thought that's just so amazing that it can't possibly be true and it really was I genuinely had no idea there were even summaries in the Regency period until I I read the true uh account of this this guy who uh, it was actually an American Fulton that that invented it for the French and then the French let it the British stole it back effectively and borrowed borrowed him and in inverted commas to work for them um so it's classic wartime skullduggery and I just thought Then there was a real plot by this guy Johnson to rescue Napoleon from St. Helena. Um, And I I played the classic, you know, what if uh, I moved timelines a little bit, but not a huge amount to tweak it. And obviously there are real characters and fictional characters that I blend together in this. But um, that's a real event. And I just thought that was such a cool thing. Like who who wouldn't want that as a plot of an adventure story? It was ridiculous, but so outrageous you couldn't really believe it was true. But then it, it, it really was. So yeah, I just like the idea of what if they foiled this plot. So Yeah,
0: yeah. I I love the idea. I love the fact that they both both parties, Jordan and Benedict, were involved in it, that there was like there was there was a plot that driven that took took place and that they both worked together to accomplish a mission. That was great. Yeah.
1: So I mean obviously her her knowledge of ships and stuff like that, it ends up being you know important in the fact that she's the one that has the technical know-how in that sphere to kind of help the case and he has the physical brains and everything else to to work out who's done it so they they make the perfect team for the non-romance arc but yeah. I think that complements their romance arc so it all ties in hopefully quite nicely
0: <laughs> yes it does so are we getting more books within the series and if so what can we expect
1: Oh my goodness, yes. So much fun. So we've got the other two Bow Street bachelors who I've literally just (laughs) finished off book three and handed it in. Uh, Next up is... uh, Who is next? Um, Oh, Alex Holland. who is the next one. And he is going to be investigating a very bad jewel thief who uh, is our heroine, which is so exciting. It's a total cat and mouse game. It's a bit like the old school kind of Cary Grant to catch a thief kind of Mm. film. So that's a kind of, yeah, a lot of cat and mouse darting about suspicious enemies to lovers trope romance, Mm. um, which is so much fun to write. And then the the third one is um, Sebastian Seb, and he, again, going with ridiculous plot lines, we've got uh, the heroine is a Russian princess who's faked her own death, obviously, and is hiding out in London so um, that's a different one again that's a forced proximity trope and a kind of bodyguard type protect me trope so yeah they're, they're a lot of fun I, I, I actually prefer the next two books I'm even more excited about than than this L. much as I love this L so I'm, I'm hoping they're not out till next year but I'm hoping people will like them just as much
0: I'm excited. Yeah, I've absolutely adored this book. And like I told you before the before the show, this book was my first historical romance. And I came with low expectations and it blew me away. I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> so,
1: Hooray! Historical romance is great. Yes, I'm it so is. I'm so jealous. You've got so many of the classics that you can go and read for the first time. I mean, I'm, I just wish I could do that again. I have a couple on my keeper shelf. Well, I have like five keeper shelves, but... Um, yeah. Oh, please let me give you a massive list of things that you've got to
0: read. Yay. Yes, please do. So I've been reading the Burger Tons um, because of the Netflix show, and I'm just adoring them. So if you have historical romance recommendations, um, just send them my way. Oh, absolutely. So yes, Julia Quinn is obviously the queen
1: of the uh, kind of Regency romance. She's very sweet and very witty and charming and the family are great. So yeah, I'm a big fan of hers. Um yeah. My stuff ends up to be a little bit more crazy and probably a bit hotter in terms of steam factor. Yes, <laughs> yeah, and a bit more kind of kick-ass, in and bodices. You know, yeah. adventure rather than rather than just straight drawing room manners and polite, you know, flirting. But um, yeah, there's a whole range of crazy sauce out there that you can enjoy in the historical genre. So
0: I yeah. love it. So. <laughs> Now let's get to round of book, recommendations. Nations. It's an opportunity for you to share what, with our audience what they should read next. So what is your favorite genre?
1: Uh, I think I'm going to have to say historical romance to read as well as write, although I do read mm-hmm. a lot of other things. But, but um, I don't read historical romance when I'm writing it because I tend to find that it's just very easy to get distracted or to try and, act, you know, pick up someone else's voice unintentionally or whatever. So um, I take a break, and then when I finish my own book, I just have two weeks of just reading everyone else's which is lovely it's a lovely
0: holiday oh Um, my gosh that's amazing yeah
1: Um, but yeah I was trying to think of my favorite authors and um I mentioned Laura Kinsale I think she's an amazing historical romance writer she's not for everybody um but I love the way she writes her language is gorgeous and she she has such diverse settings for her pops that I'm in awe of how she comes up with her ideas and they are Angsty and emotional, but also fully satisfying. And um, yeah, so anything by Laura
0: Kinsale is pretty awesome. Awesome. I'm buying some books for her. So thank you. <laughs> so, so, what are your top three favorite books of all time? Oh my gosh.
1: So, this was, I don't even think this is a fair question. It's like choosing my favorite child. I know. Uh, so, I'm going to clarify with three romance books. Okay. Um, so, probably to start off, I would say, Georgette Heyer, because she's a, the grandmother of historical romance, and that's kind of what my gateway romance got me into it. So there's a book called These Old Shades by Georgette Heyer, which mm-hmm. has a swoon-worthy, sarcastic, cool duke as a hero, so and a feisty redhead as the heroine. So I think probably that was my, my gateway drug, <laughs> would be mm-hmm. Georgette Heyer, These Old Shades. Another one would be Connie Brockway, who is... She's not written that many books, but she wrote a book called As You Desire, which is an Egypt-set historical, which mm. is unusual. And it's got, like, an Egyptologist, like, a hero who's a bit, like, an Indiana Jones type, and the heroine is also uh, into Egyptology. And it's, it's gorgeous, and it's beautiful, and I love it, and it's super romantic. And then the last one would be, yeah, Laura Kinsale. I would choose Shadow Heart of hers because that's medieval it's again italian medieval the hero is an assassin i know it's so unlikely the heroine is a member of an opposite uh, like a feuding um family so they're enemies to lovers and but they have to work together and that's just so
0: good that's so good Mm, I'm buying that book. <laughs> yes, you. it's got
1: it's slightly, it slightly, it's slightly old school. I mean, I suppose it doesn't date particularly well. There's a few questionable actions by hero and heroine. Um, but yeah, it's still fantastically well written and interesting. So go for that one too, yeah.
0: I love it. What has been a book that you read this year that you love?
1: Oh, uh, well, I was thinking about this and the one I keep saying is The Hating Game by Sally Thorne. It's a contemporary but have you read that one? It was yes. amazing.
0: It's amazing. It's such a good hate to lovers uh, love trope. But it's still like, I'm so good. Yes. <laughs> so
1: that, I read that like on a long weekend and I was supposed to be camping with a whole bunch of friends and family. and I literally didn't speak to anyone for two days because I had to finish it. And yeah, the whole pining and UST, like the unresolved sexual tension was amazingly well done. So that, for people who never read romance but want a gateway, I give them that and say, you will like this. Come on.
0: Yes. Yes. I'm looking forward to the movie. There's a movie coming out. for um, production, I think, like, early next year. So we I know.
1: It. I know. I hope they don't ruin it. Like, there's always that expectation of what you've got in your head is not going to translate well I enough to I hope they do it justice Absolutely. I hope so
0: too I hope that they have the chemistry to do this hate lovers <laughs> you know trouble well done so yes yes definitely tell us where you can find me online
1: oh well all kinds of places so my website is a good place to start that's um, caseybateman.com um, I'm on the usual Facebook Twitter uh, Instagram not very well on Instagram Twitter's my main thing and Facebook uh, Bookbub, Amazon, find my Amazon page. That's probably the best thing for all my books. Um, the usual suspects. That's that's where I am. I'm either I write both as Casey Bateman, like the initials Casey Bateman, and then um, Kate Bateman, both. Um, just because different publishers wanted two separate names. I don't know why. It makes things very confusing. But um, <laughs> yeah, so I, I am two people, uh, but I am the same person, and you still get the same the same writing with both. So yeah.
0: I love it. Yeah, I'll be going back to your backlist, which I'm excited. Um, so that's something. Um, when I asked the publisher, I was like, does she have other books? She's just like, yeah, she's under other author. And I was like, oh my gosh, she has a whole wide range of historicals that I've been trying try to get in. So.
1: Yeah. So yeah, before this, uh, this Earl is, or um, well, this Earl of mine is the Bow Street series that's coming out with a different publisher. Mm-hmm. Um, before I've got the Secrets of Spies series, which is a three book series of the heroes are all spies so it's again it's a region set series and the girls all have cool skills so they're like one's a, a counterfeiter one is a a spy one is a um uh, she's a code breaker so yeah they're pretty cool and then yeah i got a couple of others i got the medieval the devil to pay was my italian renaissance that just was up for a, a rita that was nominated for a rita this year which is pretty cool.
0: congratulations
1: Which is ridiculous because that one I self-published because none of my traditional publishers wanted it. So it just shows, just goes to show um, how daft the whole thing is. But um, yeah, and then I've got an Egypt set one that was part of a trilogy, a couple of novellas out there. So yeah, take your pick. You've
0: got something for everybody there. I love it. Thank you, Kay, for being in the show. Thank you so much. It's been great talking to you. Thank you, Kate, for a great interview. For show notes and the list of books mentioned in this podcast, please visit whattoreenxblock.com. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week with another author interview. Have a great week.